Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. This is loud, right? Wow. All right. Can everybody hear me? Probably can hear me super well. All right. Well, again, we do want to extend a happy Mother's Day. Um, I'm hoping that everyone gets to enjoy the day. Unfortunately, the weather is not too appetizing, but nonetheless, I I hope you enjoy the day. I'm personally a fan of this weather um, because this rain is doing justice to the evil called pollen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I've been suffering the past couple of weeks, coughing uncontrollably because I've been attacked by pollen. But by the grace of God, the rain has showed up. The pollen is so bad. I would be out at work or I'd maybe out playing golf or doing something and my clothes are literally saturated with pollen. And as I walk into our apartment, before I take but 10 steps, my wife will stop me and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I need you to take those clothes and put them in the laundry. Don't you dare walk into this room with those filthy clothes. Because she didn't want the pollen, rightfully so, in the room, right? And, and so as a good husband, I, I would take the clothes, put them away. I would take a shower, get all cleaned up. And you know what David would do? I would just put the old clothes back on and say, I'm clean. That's a bad idea, right? Because just because I've cleaned myself, it would make no sense to then dress myself with the clothes that are now dirty. That's Paul's concern in Colossians chapter 3. There are a people that have been washed, they have been cleansed. And there is a caution and a one not defile themselves with soiled or smelly clothes. So as we jump into Colossians 3, where we've been in a series as a church through uh, Colossians, it's called Dear Church. Thereafter, we'll be in Titus, Jude, and our dear brother Philemon. Uh, The idea is this. God has called us. He is transforming us to live according to our new identity that is in Christ Jesus. And we live that way by putting off and by putting on. Putting off the sinful vices that snare us and putting on Christ-like virtues. And so as we jump into Colossians chapter 3, remember, God has called us to live. He is transforming our lives to live according to our new identity of Christ. And we do so by putting off and putting on. So I want to read Colossians chapter 3, the first 14 verses. It'll be on the screen behind. Or if you have your Bible, you can open along as I read. Colossians chapter 3 reads as follows. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked 
when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. But now you must put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Verse 14, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And this is God's word. Let's pray together. And now, Lord, we focus our attention on you with our hearts filled. Fill it with truth, Lord, this day. And may we forever be transformed. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As we come to the book of Colossians, please understand that this epistle, this letter is a very Jesus-centered book. Much like the song we just sang, Jesus at the center of it all. If Paul were to write a title to this book, he'd call it Jesus at the Center. Paul is writing to a young church and wants to encourage them, and he does so by pointing them to Jesus. I dare say, if you find yourself this morning going through a challenging time, if you find yourself suffering, if you find yourself being tormented, I too point you to Jesus. Paul exalts Jesus. And exalting Jesus, it's not just any Jesus. He's exalting the risen Jesus. I think there are some today when they think of Jesus, they think of Jesus solely as one nailed to a cross. When some think of Jesus, they think of a man that died, but Paul is proclaiming a risen Jesus. And he proclaims the good news of the risen Jesus, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Joey spoke about that when he talked about, walked us through Colossians chapter 1. That Jesus, that through him, things were created through him, by him, and for him. That exalting Jesus, Paul says, Jesus holds all things together, that he is the head of the body, the church. He says Jesus is preeminent. Friends, Jesus is awesome. Then he addresses the pressures that they are facing in exalting Jesus, this new form community, and following Jesus. They're going to feel, uh, face pressures and try to be distracted. And this is what Jacob spoke about last week, how there are various philosophies and various things that want to pull us away from Jesus. And that's the first half of the book, exalting Jesus, pointing us to the person of Jesus. And the second half of the book is then going to tell us, in light of who Jesus is, this is then how you ought to live. Paul would say, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Paul is going to show how our identity in Christ is going to lead us to a transformed life. But as we jump into this, I must give you a caution. How many of you have ever played the game Monopoly? So you know in Monopoly, you might roll the dice, you might pick up a community card, and it says, you must go to jail. 
Do not pass go. Do nothing. Go directly there. Friends, this is my warning to you. If we're going to understand chapter and four, you must fully embrace the teachings of chapter one and two. If not, do not go. Do not continue because you're going to read the implications of life in Christ and it's going to sound like a burden that you must now work out to earn your salvation. And so we must understand the preeminence of Christ, that we are not doing the things that Paul is going to speak out to earn salvation, but that Paul is calling on believers to live in unity with the risen Christ. And when we live in unity with the risen Christ, it's going to do two things. It's going to change how we think, and it's going to change how we act. So as we identify with Christ, it's going to change how we think and change how we act. Colossians 3, verses 1 to 2, it says, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds or set your affections on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And so, friends, we need a new mindset. And so in order for us to experience the transformation that God promises, we have to deliberately change what I am focusing on in my daily life. I must adjust my focus from the things on earth as the center of my satisfaction to Jesus at the center of my satisfaction. This is one of the reasons why the metaphor seen in Scripture is that the church is the bride of Christ. There is a relationship so intimate between believer and Jesus that your attention, that your affections are now drawn to him. In a few hours, uh, Emily, she's our gathering coordinator, our church administrator. She'll be celebrating her wedding. And that's going to, yes, praise the Lord. She's going to look into Nate's eyes, and they're going to commit themselves to each other. They're going to proclaim vows. His attention, her attention are on each other. And our desire is that for the rest of their lives, that's where their attention is. So it is with the believer and Christ. We are in union with him. Our relationship is that of a bride and a bridegroom. So Paul says, make Jesus the center. Make Jesus the guidepost for all of our thinking and our acting, our lives. You see, we seek things above by deliberately and daily committing ourselves to Jesus' values and then living out those values. And that happens through an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. This is why time in the Word is critical. This is why praying is critical. This is why living life in community others, it is critical. See, the outflow of an abiding relationship with Christ is new behaviors. So as we're identifying with Christ, as we're being transformed, it affects our mindset, sets your affections on things above, and it impacts how we live, new behaviors. See, Paul is suggesting that since we have a heavenly mindset, we should be eager to get rid of behaviors that do not reflect that mindset. You see, union, our relationship with Christ, puts us into a new relationship with sin, and it brings us into a sphere of the Holy Spirit's power that will impact the way we live. Because as we examine our lives, there are certain patterns or behaviors that are common in the world we live in, but they are in direct conflict with the new life that Christ produces. And so Paul says, so you got to put on some new clothes. 
It's like wearing a suit at the appropriate time. But if we're not careful, we might be dressed in the wrong clothes. Has anyone ever showed up underdressed to an event? Am I the only one? I was sharing with the first guy, I've gotten really comfortable at Downtown Hope. I tend to dress very casually. Got my sneakers on, got some jeans and a nice, nice sweater. I feel like I look good. Who said that? God bless you. I forget, not every place is that casual. So I'll show up to place thinking it's like downtown hope, and they're dressed up in suits and ties. I'm like, oh, no, I underdressed. That is Paul's caution that we might be wearing the wrong clothes. That I must force the desires of the past or the old life to become powerless in my life. That there are practices that I know that are contrary to the will of God, and I must live in such a way that they become powerless. How do they become powerless? Paul says you got to put them to death. Colossians 3, 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then he then lists what needs to die. The first thing he's going to focus on are sins of the body. Our sexuality, sexual sins are the things that he's cautioning the body believers at Colossae, and he's cautioning us today. He says we must put to death sexual immorality. The Greek word is porneia. It's where we get the word pornography. He says we got to put that to death. He talks about impurity. That is moral uncleanliness. He says passion or lust. It is the shameful emotion that leads us to sexual excess. He says we got to put that to death. He says there are evil desires that must be put to death. There was an insatiable greed that must be put to death. And so what is Paul's to sexual sins? He says you got to put it on the executioner's table and put it to death. Don't hide them. Don't try to fight them. Don't try to entertain them. Put them to death. Why? So we have a home in Upper Marlboro, and I remember a couple of years ago, we had an unwelcome guest come into our home. We had termites. Yeah, it was, yes, you see how you're shaking your head? Yes, you know that life, right? Termites are bad. I thought pollen was bad. Termites are worse. They were on our doorstep, literally on our doorstep. Now, now imagine if I said, you know what, termites, welcome to the home. Would that be a good thing? Everybody go like this. If I said, you know what, we got a termite problem, but I'll wait six, seven, eight months to deal with it. Would that be okay? No way, because they will invade that house and destroy that house. That is what Paul is warning us. We got to put these things to death. If we don't put them to death, it will be to our own demise. He says, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. He said that we're supposed to have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new life in Christ. And so Paul underscores how vital it is for followers of Jesus to deal with the sin in their lives by reminding us that sinful behavior is a hallmark of our past life behind and that God's wrath falls on people who engage in such behavior. And so he warns against sins of the body. And, and if you're here and, and that's not your issue, you're like, all right, Dave, keep it moving. No problem, sex, sexual sin, ha, beat that. But Paul says not just sins with your body. He says there's also sins of speech that you must be careful of. It's not just what I do with my body, but what I do with my speech. Paul's concern is especially that Christians would avoid unnecessary, critical, and abusive speech. And so he begins to enumerate the things that we must rid ourselves of 
anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. And so Paul, of course, is concerned for the individual behavior, like the things we do. But when you read Colossians 3, you see it's in a communal context. Even greater than the problem individually our sin does, he's concerned for the well-being of the community. Sexual misbehavior can tear a community apart. We may pretend that it's purely a private matter, but it never is. It destroys community, and so can malicious and abusive speaking. And so Paul says, new actions, new mindset, new actions. And so he doesn't just talk about what we ought not to do. Right? Some of us are good at what we can't do, that we forget that there's things that we should be doing. And so friends, do not try to, do not try to get yourself to not do something unless you replace it with something else because it won't work. If you only think about the things I won't do, I shouldn't do, I won't, shouldn't do, you're going to fail. Can I prove it to you? You got to participate. You with me? If you are, say hello. All right, do this. Everybody right now, do not think of an elephant. I don't want, don't, don't, don't let the image of an elephant come to your mind. Nothing concerning an elephant, no trunk, nothing. Don't think of an elephant. What are you thinking about right now? You know what they told me the first guy? Someone said a porcupine. So pray for the first guy. So you can't focus on what you should not be doing. It's the quintessential, don't touch wet paint. What do people tend to do? We touch it to see if it's really wet paint. And Paul doesn't just focus on what not to do. He then focuses on what we should do, and he uses the metaphor of changing clothes. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And he begins to articulate the new clothing we ought to wear. See, the changing of clothes is a natural symbol of a change in life or situation. So talk to me. Occasions where you got to change your garments? Give me an occasion. Walking with folly. Give, give, when, do you, when do you change what you wear? Go to the beach. Right? It would make no sense to go to the beach wearing a three-piece suit. Right? I would look strange wearing those clothes, right? What else? What else do you dress up for, change your clothes for? A wedding. Right? Go to a wedding. You don't wear a t-shirt. Maybe you do. You don't wear like, like flip-flops and like a, a Washington Wizards jersey. That would be strange unless it was like a Washington Wizards wedding. Then that might make sense. Right? You don't wear those things. So we, we change. I, I remember growing up, it's Mother's Day, and uh, sometimes I would make the mistake of trying to dress myself for a special occasion. We're going to a wedding, and I was like, I'm going to dress myself, and I'd dress up, and my mom would look me in the face and say, boy, Kofi, go change your clothes now. That's not what you're supposed to wear. Friends, that's what Paul is talking about. We are wearing the wrong clothes. When we are dressed appropriately, it identifies us with who we are. There's another occasion in which you dress up. So Jed kind of just put the secret out there. I graduated this weekend. Yeah. As we, they, they got me all dressed up. I had to put on a nice little, I had to dress, I couldn't just go anywhere I wanted. I had to put on the right clothes. And see, what's different about what Paul is saying is like, I, I put on this robe. After the graduation, I take it off. When I, when I get dressed up for a wedding, I, I, I put on the suit, I, I, I dress up, but after the wedding, I, I, I take it off. The new clothes that Paul is calling on us to wear, we never take off. We are clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. 
It's our new identity. Think about an athlete who wears and endorses companies by the clothing they wear. It's how we identify with Christ. And so the focus in these verses on, are on the virtues that identify us with Christ and on virtues that foster community and cohesion as opposed to the vices that we read earlier that would tend to bring dissension and tear the community apart. And he lists those things. He says, compassionate hearts, that we are to clothe ourselves with compassionate hearts, literally bowels of mercy. In other words, we are to clothe ourselves with love characterized by mercy. We are to clothe ourselves, Paul would say, with kindness. That we are to clothe ourselves with humility, with meekness. And, and I found this definition that I appreciate. It says, meekness is the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. And so Paul says, clothe yourself with that. Paul says, clothe yourself with patience. And one theologian says, if kindness refers to our basic approach to people, patience refers to the kind of reaction we should display towards people. Paul says you should clothe yourself by bearing with one another and forgiving each other. And above all these things, he says, above all this, the, the biggest garment, the garment that clothes it all together is love. For this is a challenge. As parents, as friends, as a husband, as a wife, as, as an employee, like, it's hard to exhibit these things. But Paul says that we are to clothe ourselves with these things. And so it's worth taking a moment and thinking about each word here and asking yourself, what sort of actions and words would make each one come true in my life? To come true in my neighborhood to come true in the spaces where I have influence. Think about compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other in love. You see, by God's grace, our sin. So the, the, the thing that makes this difficult is our sin, right? And so the, the, Paul says we need to do these things because he, he said these aren't natural to us. And so we need to now put off the old and put on the new. And by God's grace, our sin has been cleansed through the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And we've been called to dress ourselves accordingly. By like so many commands in Scripture, it is easier said than done. Right? Isn't it difficult sometimes to be compassionate to other people? Like, fine, don't tell the truth, but it's all good. Right? It could be the person sitting right next to you. That in life, they could be very difficult, and the Bible says love them. If you know what I'm talking about, blink. Right? So they don't, they, they don't know, right? So, but it's, it's challenging to do these things. Not only is it challenging, friends, it's impossible to do these things apart from the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. You can't will yourself enough to be compassionate. You can't will yourself enough to do these things. It is impossible outside of the redemptive power of Jesus from the earliest pages of Scripture, we see the futility of our best attempts to dress up. If we go back to the garden and see Adam and Eve, they fall into sin and they are ashamed and naked and they try their best to dress themselves. And their efforts to clothe themselves were completely inadequate. It was only by God's grace and his provision of a blood sacrifice that their sin and shame were able to be covered. That's why the Bible says, he them. 
And so in the same way, our sinful nature is clothed with our unrighteous works and any attempt we make to dress ourselves appropriately is futile. It's only in Christ and the the sacrifice that he made to cover and cleanse us that through him we are made righteous and clothed, clothed in his righteousness. And friends, one day our corruptible bodies will be clothed with incorruptible immortality. Friends, we will don the robes of righteousness that have been washed in the blood of Jesus, and we, gathered alongside all that call upon Jesus, will worship our glorious King for all eternity. We just dedicated children this morning, and I think of the innocence of children to the extent that a child, it makes no sense for a little child to try to dress themselves. It's kind of funny, right? My kids are old, 20. When do you turn 21? 45 days. She's counting. She's counting four, right? My youngest is 16, turning 17. They can dress themselves. But if you had like a, a June, how old is, or Andrea, how old is Copeland? Four months. You, you going to let him dress himself? It, it would just be a comical sight. Friends, if we try outside of the provision of Jesus, it's, 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 it's going to fail. And so what we do is we set our affections on him, focus our attention on him, and let him clothe us and the outflow of our lives with the very things that Paul articulates. Colossians, I'll invite our worship team back up. Colossians chapter 3 says, if then you've been risen with Christ, the truer sense of what it says, since you've been risen with Christ. Friends, if your faith is in Christ Jesus, here's what's true. Since you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Set heaven as the guidepost for all your actions. Why? Because you've died, past tense. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That is a current reality. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. That is the promise of future. God has you covered past, present, and future. And as such, friends, the outflow of your lives is the dawning of these new, this new clothing. So let's do this. I want to give us a moment to pause and pray. And as we pray, just, just ask the Lord to clothe you uh, with the values and virtues that Paul articulates in this scripture. If there's anything that needs to be put off, stripped away, may he give us the ability to put those things to death. Let's pray together. And so, Lord, we look to you in this moment, so grateful for the provision of Christ Jesus and his preeminence. Thank you that he is all and in all. Thank you that he is the head of the body, even the church. Thank you that through him, for him, and by him, all things were created. And thank you, Lord, that we are yours. And by yours, we are united with Christ uh, through the shed blood of Jesus. And so we run and cling to him. So, Lord, we commit to you our, our, our old behaviors, our patterns, the things that snare us. And we ask, Lord, that you would put them to death that they will become powerless in our lives and no longer have a hold on us. And we don't want it to end there, Lord. Would you clothe us in righteousness and may your peace rule in our hearts, Lord. That's the promise of Scripture. We want peace 
It's morning, and it is only you who provides that peace. And so, Lord, we're grateful for Jesus, and we're grateful for your promises. We pray this all in Christ's name. Thank you.